at episode 52. It's Earl and Dan uh, again. We have a very special guest today, uh, David, who actually knew since he was in high school, uh, which is great. Uh, you know, he led a number of, uh, you know, hackathons in high school when hackathons weren't really uh, a thing. So he was ahead of the times and, uh, you know, scaled up the organization even uh, to multiple continents and, uh, you know, just followed his career you know, from big tech uh, to now, you know, being a uh, investor. So, uh, thanks again for being the show, uh, David. Uh, glad, glad you could take time. Uh, so, David, I mean, it seems like you've done a plethora of uh, things in your career. I mean, um, you founded some pretty successful uh, company in the Philippines called Youth Hack, I believe, and then uh, you went to UPenn, and you obviously, you know, are from the Philippines. So, shout out to the Philippines. Um, and uh, you know, you've had a you know a career that's been in multiple, I'd say, multiple like different jobs, but all kind of have to do with the same career. Uh, just on your end, like, can you tell us like where, where this all started, and you know, when did you, I guess, get interested in technology and you know the the innovation part of uh, the, the the VC or startup life. For sure. Yeah. So the, the quick, I guess, like intro is and background backstory is uh, I, I grew up in the Philippines first 18 years. And then in my senior year in college, I was uh, starting to research colleges uh, in the U.S. to potentially study abroad. And uh, yeah, so I was doing that research. I started to come across like this idea of like hackathons and startup weekends. And that was the initial inspiration for uh, bringing that to like the Philippines as well through Youth Hack. And then I fortunately like, got into like Penn, uh, and that was kind of like uh, my introduction as well to the startup scene in the, in the U.S. And so my freshman year uh, at, at Penn, I, I got exposed to a lot of different like startups. And so Y Combinator had come to visit to do their whole startup school thing. And that was my first exposure to just Silicon Valley and seeing the culture uh, around collaboration and innovation and using tech to solve problems at scale. And, uh, oh. and so I started out by writing a lot about it and um that was really the the entry point and um everything goes from <laughs> yeah, there yeah yeah i think i think i uh, found one of your articles on forbes or was it called huffington post pretty good stuff you, you were able to uh create were you always a writer or like did that just happen out of an experiment or they kind of found you and you just ended up writing about the tech that you were uh, around uh yes i started out by just blogging like uh having my own personal blog and then uh, yeah, I wanted to write for a bigger publication. And so I actually cold emailed Ariana oh. at com, And so that's <laughs> how I ended up becoming a contributor for HuffPost. No way. Was it an internship or did they pay you or like full-time job or what kind of was it? No, this, this was two years while I was just doing it on the side for free uh, in college. Oh, and I think wow. for me, it was, uh, the goal was using it as a platform to, to build like my brand and learn as much wow. as I can and that's, that's connect awesome. with different founders. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, that's so awesome. Uh, you went to Penn, right? So did you study business or what did you, I guess, end up getting a deg degree in or multiple degrees in? Yeah, so I, I wasn't uh, the, the best student in terms of just wanting to go to class. So I figured <laughs> if I was, was going to spend time like studying something in college, it, it would be something that would be related to like what I want to do in the future. And so I ultimately decided to study like cognitive science and computer science. I figured it would be the best way to like meet folks oh, sure. who are smarter than me and like are, are hacking on things and uh and like are building like cool stuff and um uh, potential yeah, people yeah. i could work well, with 
when you uh, were creating youth hack in the Philippines, did you already have like skills in computer science or how did you get that kind of, is it more of a community or is it more of like a company that's, that's, uh, you know, operating in, in terms of like, uh, like a startup mode or like, is it just a community? What, what is youth, youth hack actually, or what was youth hack back then? Yeah, it, it really started out uh, as this two-day kind of like hackathon startup weekend for high school and college students in the Philippines. The goal was to bring uh, the same programs that uh, I had seen in the U.S. to the Philippines. And uh, yeah, it started out as that, oh, and sure. running like different types of programs uh, across like the different years and really building out the community of students as well. And yeah, really the goal was, yeah, how do we not only teach them about like coding or like technology, but also uh, open up their, their world into this world of like startups in the local startup ecosystem. And that's how I got the chance to like work with Earl when it's back in idea space and then oh, yeah, uh, yeah. And several like <laughs> local startups as well. So cool. Yeah. Hey, uh, David, uh, quick question. I mean, when you were in college in Penn, like, you know, what was the decision making process of, you know, um, you know, moving to the Valley? Like, what were the options given to you, like graduating from Penn and, and how you ultimately decided to go on to the uh, the tech route. For sure. Yeah, I, I guess for me, like after like getting exposed to tech my freshman year through writing a lot, uh, I, I knew that post-college I wanted to end up in Silicon Valley and like the Bay Area and and really live uh, in, in that like environment and meet, meet as many people as I could in tech. And so throughout college, that's what I optimized for across like internships and then my, my last year of college, I actually didn't recruit for a full-time job. I tried starting my own company. We were, we were helping uh, C to Series B startups outsource to the Philippines. And so it's this company called Skill Stackers. We had a bunch of uh, early customers and clients. But uh, by the end of my senior year, we couldn't figure out like the subset of tasks, like build product around that would allow us to like, scale uh, yeah. the business. And so uh, we decided not to pursue it, but I knew I wanted to be in the Bay Area. And so I like... Uh, scrambled the last two weeks before graduation like hit up like a lot of different founders and friends and ended up like wow. uh securing a gig at like learn capital for a few months it was like an education technology venture fund and that was like a good in between as i try to figure out like what i want to do like after college for sure david i have a question here how how would you compare i guess like the i mean maybe it's not really comparable but uh unless you know remote times but um the, the silicon valley work uh environment compared to like the east coast one that you were at which, which seems super entrepreneurial at, at university of pennsylvania like do you think that there's one ecosystem that has an edge over the other or um yeah how would you just like contrast like your time at penn being around on other entrepreneurs and entrepreneurs in palo alto san francisco wherever it was yeah so so i i think like penn definitely has like a really strong like and, and growing like startup uh, culture and like ecosystem. And, and I think today with like remote work uh, talent and like uh, and, and expertise are getting distributed around the world. But, but, but I do think there is still something special about Silicon Valley and like San Francisco <laughs> and the Bay Area in yeah. a sense of the, the density of people who are just thinking about like tech and company building and startups and the people you end up running into in like dinners or like in the parks or like just like those serendipitous moments i think sure it, yeah it, absolutely it, yeah. <laughs> it does help and it's like hard to replicate i think definitely with like all the online virtual community communities now i think uh, it's definitely getting more spread out but i do think like 
if there's one place that still stands out, like I, I do think like San Francisco and Silicon Valley um, has something special in it. No, for sure. Can you talk to us a little bit? I think you were, you were working at the Dorm Room Fund, right? Which is like a college accelerator. Is it an accelerator or just mainly a fund that only funds specific university students? And can you talk to us about Dorm Room Fund? Yeah, so, so Dorm Room Fund was a student-run uh, fund that First Round Capital had started. Uh, and so First Round Capital is like one of the early investors in like Uber, Uber and yeah, Square. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, for them, they, they wanted to like try to find like the next like Facebook or Snapchat and they figured the best way to like find those like student founders in their dorm rooms was uh, by empowering like other students to become investors. And so they gave, they were like our sole like LP and uh, allowed us to like invest in like our classmates. And so we were writing like 20 to 25K investments wow. into like student founders. And uh, yeah, that's kind of like my initial exposure into the world of venture. And I, I learned a ton from just working with other student investors and, and then like, uh, working very closely with student founders as well and like some of them have like gone on to like race like subsequent like financing rounds and uh, have like from like top tier investors and i think that's been really cool to see no for sure uh i guess like was that your first stint in kind of like the venture capital uh or you know investor is that is that kind of like the first time you ever did that stuff yeah, yeah. So that was definitely my first exposure into it. And what? Uh, I, I, what you, yeah, yeah. What I was going to ask was, uh, what was that like for you? I mean, being super, you know, I guess just a college student, being able to give somebody or influence the decision to give somebody um, capital. Um, and was that like uh, shocking to you? Or was that just like, this is what I'm going to do? And this is like, just, I mean, we're just going to make the most of the opportunity. Like, because, uh, you know, me, I'm being, I'm Filipino, Rose Filipino, and kind of like, I guess we don't have this perception of investing money at that young of an age, and especially into things that are risky, like VC or startups. Um, what, you know, uh, how, how was that experience for you? Just like um, being the first time, you know, uh, person in the fund? Yeah, for sure. I mean, it, <laughs> it was pretty crazy. And like, like a lot of us in the team like, like to joke that, it, it, it was like first rounds, like nonprofit arm. And like, okay. <laughs> uh, but, 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 but I do think uh, they did a really good job, like building out the community and empowering us students. And I, I think uh, there's something about being like one of the first believers in like your friends, like oh, sure. company, your friends startup, uh, especially when it's these like student founders who are like first time founders, they've like never done this before. Like, uh, their ideas could be like really crazy and like uh, traditional VCs might not be willing to like take a look like early on, but sometimes all they need is that like first like 20K, that first like investment, that first like person's like believe in them for them to like get to that next stage. And I think that I think was like what was really special about Dorm Room Fund was we were willing sure. to bet like really early in students before any of these like top, traditional like institutional funds we're willing to like invest in them and uh and yeah a lot of these companies have gone on to raise like like billions of dollars and and, and become like really successful companies and i think that's been really cool to see and, and and i think just highlights how much like sometimes yeah you just need the like very first like believer in that like initial nudge wow yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, and i guess david i mean how did you pick to go to amplitude right i mean obviously that was a great pick for your career um 
what was the what was the the logic right uh, you know you could go on the venture track right uh, you were kind of going that direction and then you said you know i want to be in the operator side and how did you even pick amplitude over the many different opportunities probably you were looking at to kind of go to the operator side versus uh, staying in let's say trying to be uh, an investor yeah for sure and so uh that summer after college when i was at learn capital and starting to think about what I wanted to do, I, I think I did explore like a lot of different things from like either trying to start my own company again or uh, joining like an early stage company or yeah, staying in venture. And I think on the venture side of things, both through dorm room fund and experience at Learn Capital, I knew that that was something I wanted to do long term. And like, it's one of the most like fun jobs in the world. But I think I quickly realized as well, working at Learn Capital, as we were like meeting like these like experienced founders that there's a lot more for me to learn to become a really good investor. And I wanted to be able to see like what success looked like and like what like a high growth like company looked like. And uh, I, I actually ended up getting the advice from uh, this guy named Finn Barnes, who's like one of my mentors. And he was a former general partner at first round and was oh, somebody cool. I met through Dorm Room Fund. And he told me that, uh, yeah, he, he, he thought that I should like join like a series B or series C company, like post product market fit hop on a rocket ship, like see what success looks like. And then uh, also like navigate like that middle phase where like lots of things are breaking, but you're hiring a lot of people like, and these people will end up becoming part of your network, uh, especially <laughs> as the, the company kind of like goes to an exit event uh, in like a few years where a lot of these people will end up either starting their own companies, like going to like investing or like joining other startups. And, uh, and then you'll like learn a lot through that process of like hyper growth. And yeah, everything he said, like, ended up coming through like coming becoming true basically like three years later and i think that was like really one of the biggest reasons why like i decided like hone in and like applying to like series b and series c companies and then fortunately i i landed in amplitude and so, uh, so were, yeah like think about you, you were you weren't exactly an engineer for them right you uh did you you were product analytics more of like which is amplitude is one of the best i mean yeah. top top of the food chain now or you know growing getting there when it comes to product analytics uh what was your role there um uh can you talk to us about the role you had there and i guess like what you did i guess <laughs> yeah and so they hired me as a growth analyst was like the the, the first title i got there and it, it was really like uh they had this idea they needed somebody to like help scale the way they serve customers and uh finally i ended up becoming the expert of amplitude internally so we were using Amplitude to like analyze our own users. Uh, and, and I ended up becoming one of the go-to persons for analyzing our own users using our own product, which is like <laughs> kind of cool. And, uh, and that, that gave me the opportunity to like work with a lot of different teams, from like growth engineering to like our product team to customer success, like marketing and sales. And uh, I think that broad exposure to like all the different functions of a business is like what, what, what I was like hoping to get out of like the experience at Amplitude. And, it was really awesome just seeing like how all these different pieces like fit together and then being able to like work uh, cross-functionally with like so many great people at Amplitude. And uh, I think that was really the most fun part was being able to like learn from all, all, all my amazing coworkers and then see how I could support them from like the growth and analytics side. Uh, for sure. Uh, can you tell us a little bit more about like what Amplitude does? I know like they're a software that kind of informs, you know, user analytics, but to anyone who maybe isn't from the space, like what does that mean in terms of like just getting to understand a product's metrics? Like, is that, uh, 
you know what what is that since since uh you're kind of an expert and you 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 know you'll know the product better than any, than anyone uh we, we probably know so <laughs> yeah for sure uh and so yeah amplitude is at its core product analytics company we the way you could think about it is we help like product managers like better understand the behavior of their users and so a quick example i could give is like if i'm a product manager at doordash and i'm trying to understand like how are users like converting through like my checkout funnel like are users like dropping off like why are they dropping off are they clicking on like a promo uh what are the top restaurants that they're selecting and like just being able to visualize the entire funnel without having to write like any sql or like code uh, it's basically like what, what Amplitude does. It, it takes like basically needing a data analyst or like a data scientist to like help you answer like your different like questions about your users. And then allows you to like just self-serve and answer that yourself. And so being able to go from like days and like hours to like answer these like a few minutes and a few clicks basically. Well, I mean, I think, you know, um, yeah, I mean, I'm really curious, uh, I guess, David on, you know, I guess post amplitude, right? Like, what's next, kind of for you? I know I saw that you, you know, you're, you think about doing like a syndicate or a fund, or maybe starting your own. Like, what's the what's the thought process here now? Yeah, for sure. And so, uh, yeah, I started doing a little bit of like investing uh, both through a syndicate and then like my personal capital, like um, like last year, and then uh, that evolved into we raising like a small like fund from like friends and uh, a couple like venture funds as well and we actually end up investing in this company called rudder which is a universal like e-commerce api company and uh it was some of my good friends that like started it and then a couple other friends that i referred ended up joining us early employees and so as i was thinking about like what to do next like after amplitude uh i definitely do think like long term i definitely want to uh, go into like investing, but in the short term, I, I, I do, do still really enjoy operating. And I think there's still a lot for me to like learn and like contribute to like company building. And so, uh, yeah, I ultimately decided to actually join that portfolio company Rudder. Uh, and so, yeah, I wrapped up my time at Amplitude at the end of last year and I officially started at Rudder, uh, three weeks ago and, oh, cool. uh, yeah, it's, it's been super fun and, uh, yeah, I'm helping build out our various go-to-market functions and uh, as like the, the first growth lead. Yeah, just uh, getting back into Amplitude. I mean, they IPO'd, I think, late last year, right? And you were there from, I guess, three years prior. Uh, and, you know, you did, quote, you know, quote, unquote, uh, refer to it as a rocket ship. Um, really rarely, I mean, do companies have success that quickly? And I guess the pandemic kind of accelerated the need for that uh, specific tool and software but like in your experience and like the inside when when uh when you guys were experiencing like raising hundreds of millions of dollars and getting valuation into unicorn status like what uh what is that what did that like what was that experience like for you since you know you had prior to that been a um uh an investor in venture capital who uh, as an investor that's kind of the dream right to find a company that can just make a bunch of money and IPO like that. Uh, uh, can you talk to us a little bit about like what it was like um, just working for Amplitude and I guess just from 2019 to, you know, 2021, like that experience of uh, uh, crazy, I guess, uh, growth and uh, revenue growth. 
Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I, I drew an amplitude like, yeah, over three years ago uh, where it was roughly like 150 people. And when, when I left, we were like uh, a little below like 700. And, and I think just seeing the growth and like that messy middle where it definitely wasn't always oh. <laughs> like uh, all, all, all good, like every every day. But I think uh, really what, what when I look back, like what Amplitude did really well was just finding the best people and then uh, building like a really strong like culture around uh, growth mindset, like ownership and like humility. And I think that like came from like our three founders and then like trickled down to like every single like employee. And uh, I, I think like, yeah, through like the different like challenges uh, in the company's like lifetime, like analytics is such a competitive space. I think really having the best people and like a very clear kind of like vision and culture and like executing really well, I think is what like help Ample to like rise above like all the other like players in the analytics space. And yeah, yeah I think the, the moment of like the direct listing was something that's like super surreal where it was cool to see that like all three of our founders were still running the company and uh, it was cool to just like see like all the early employees like being super happy and uh and, and yeah just yeah. like recalling like all, all the different like early days and like challenges and stories from then and uh yeah and it definitely it's like a moment that i, I hope i'd be able to like repeat like again Fearless. in the future but, but yeah definitely, like one of, one of the most like surreal moments and it was cool to see like uh all the ups and downs like in the last three years and i think that's really kind of like what bonds you with with the folks that you, you work right, with right. Well. What, what do you what do you think what do you what do you i mean there's multiple factors of course and you can even include luck in there but what do you think like kind of propelled the company and i guess your department um that you could speak to towards um you know growing like close to 100 percent over a year just because uh that's incredibly tough to do i mean it doesn't come out of nowhere exactly like what you know what what kind of was the catalyst or like what what do you say or the reasons for that um explosion of uh the company just in terms of success and i mean struggles too and just things like that yeah i i, I think we definitely had like like an amazing product team that was able to like build like the best product and that uh, our go-to-market like sales and customer success team was able to like execute uh, really well as well. And like, yeah, I think a lot of it like really boils down to like that. It's like the people in, in your, who are building the product and the people who are like kind of like going to market and selling and making your customers successful. I think that's where we like really executed well as a yeah. SaaS business. Uh, and then, yeah, definitely. I think the tail, the market tailwinds were, everybody's like moving digital and like uh you have yeah. it's just so competitive where everybody has an app now that you need to be able to understand your users and like personalize the experience and understand like what they're doing with your product because if not like you're going to lose out to like your competition and i think a lot of product managers like realize that and that's the reason why like they're investing in like analytics is because it's so st table stakes in order to like win, you need to understand your users and how they're using your product, and if the features you're shipping are uh, working, and uh, and if people are gaining value out of that. And I think that's really like what Appletune solved for was helping these product teams gain visibility and like build better products. And I think the tailwinds with the market just like aligned with it as well. That's awesome. I want to ask you now, like, what do you think you're taking from those you know previous work experiences and? I guess amplitude into your new your new company, which is under a month old. Like, what do you think uh, in terms of, I guess, like operationally or business wise? Do you do you see like 
you're able to harness from what what the what, uh, your your previous role was. Yeah, I, I I think from just operationally, I think definitely hiring the best people is like the number one thing. Like I took away from my time at Amplitude, and so at Rudder, uh, we're really trying to keep the bar very high, and and also just find like our smartest friends, like join the company and refer their friends. And I think, uh, and then part of that is like, once you have the best people, it's like, how do we build the best product and make sure that like the product that we're building is like the best in class, like product. And, uh, and then we're really building the best product for our customers as well. And then I think after that, it's just like, how do we like really move fast and like ruthlessly like execute. And, uh, and, and I think that it's that balance of like, how do you move fast yeah, and execute, sure. but also like, yeah, think about like the long term. And I think that's like the perspective that I'm able to bring to like the team at Rudder is like uh in order for us to become like like a generational company, uh, we need to like not just be executing in the short term, but also like thinking like long term and like what this could become. And I think when when you like have that long term perspective, it like makes it easier to like think about like how do we invest in like our employees, like how do we attract the best talent and then how do we also like think about like the, the long-term market opportunities as well that we could go after. And like, uh, yeah, I think it's a combination of that. It's like, yeah, how do we execute really well today so we could like hit our next milestone, but then also how do we like uh, make sure that we're like thinking long-term. And, well, yeah, like, sure. Where is uh, Rudder is a seed stage company, I'm guessing, or pre-seed or just? Uh, we just raised our Series A like uh, yeah, oh, wow. a few weeks ago. Um, uh, can you talk to us about like what Rudder is and I guess like what problems it solves and um uh like the value it provides to your person you know it was a mission and values that or what, what's uh yeah you know what's like the the, the what is rudder <laughs> yeah so rudder is like a universal uh e-commerce commerce api company and so our goal is like how do we make it very easy for any company to read and write data from e-commerce platforms like shopify like amazon like walmart like magento like WooCommerce, Lazada, like yeah. Shopee, and like the long tail of marketplaces and e-commerce platforms. And so, uh, and the reason why you'd want that, this manifests in like different use cases. There's like the FinTech use case where financing companies that are providing loans for like small businesses and merchants might want to be able to pull that like sales and orders history data in order to better underwrite like merchants and like small businesses. Or like for drop shipping companies, they're like supporting like these like uh, e-commerce like businesses they might want to know like whenever like inventory is low like whenever new orders are made like how many customers like a merchant has or like there's like like a long tail of other use cases in like e-commerce and uh whether it's like in logistics or warehousing or uh in e-commerce marketing and like all of those like companies uh could benefit from like this commerce data platform that we're building and that's really like the long-term goal is like how do we like uh, make it very easy for anybody and like any company to like interact with like commerce data and i think there's like a lot of like potential like use cases and even we at a company we're learning every week about like these new like use cases that we get power using like the data that uh we're able to like give access to like our, our customers oh wow that, that, that that's really good it seems like it's like uh what plaid did for uh, backing account exactly for yes. uh, commerce uh Yep. commerce accounts right uh, so that actually yep. so that finance finance institution or just like companies can can use it right uh, basically to serve exactly them. i love yeah it. so cloud for e-commerce is like how you could think about it yep yeah no i love it no that's good i mean david i know um you know maybe 
maybe one of my, my final questions here is, you know, where, where did you get this entrepreneurial inspiration? You know, I mean, you know, just the mere fact that, you know, when you went to Penn, um, you didn't get kind of swayed by uh, the, the, the pressure to go to investment banking, uh, even at freshman, like that's quite unique. So where, where, where did it start? Like, you know, in your early years or something, like how did you even get that, you know, entrepreneurial knack, right? For sure. Yeah, I think a big part of it is my, my, my dad is like an entrepreneur and like businessman himself. And I think uh, growing up, like I, I always like wanted to be like a businessman, but I don't think it became like really clear until like I, I, I got to college. Uh, but yeah, so I think that, that was definitely like a huge inspiration. And uh definitely like look up to my dad but then i think the other part of it is like i i do think once i got the chance like studying the u.s like there's that part of me as well where not not many people like get, get this opportunity and 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 i think I, I wanted to like make the most out of this opportunity and like really try to like do something like different like do something like special and like uh try to like really like shoot for the stars and i think that that's probably like the, the big thing for me is yeah it, it definitely feels like every day and like every week and every month like uh it, it does feel like i've been given this opportunity so how, how do i make the most out of it and like make sure to like continue to grow and like continue to like take advantage of uh every opportunity out there and 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 yeah so i think as as like time has gone i've just like enjoyed the process oh, cool. as well and, and now it's just like yeah i like want to work with like <laughs> great people and that's kind of like what what gets me excited hey, hey david i was doing like some research and you were like on another podcast like couple years ago and you were saying that you wanted to like get into basketball but kind of like something that changed your because maybe you had like an injury can you like talk to us about that and like how your aspirations shifted a little bit since um you know the philippines to the u.s i'm guessing it's, it's a huge jump in terms of resources and lifestyle uh just like um if you just take us back through that time like what uh i guess you know what was that like yeah i i mean i was a huge <laughs> basketball fan I, I grew up playing basketball like throughout grade school high school and uh and yeah like definitely took it very seriously but yeah i ended up tearing my acl the summer before my senior year of high school and that was kind of like the turning point where i went from like having like practice every day and like two a day trainings during the summer to then like having oh, a bit more time to think about like uh, how I wanted to spend my time and uh, and that's like when my like uh, dad encouraged me to think about like applying to like the U.S. for college and that just gave me like more time to like actually put together like a good application and I think uh, Terry yeah. Maciel also like helped with like yeah just coming up with like a really like good story around yeah like why, why I wanted to like try like studying in the U.S. and I, I think a big part of it is like yeah, you, you learn that you, you like lose everything like very, very quickly and like uh, oh, and yeah. things can change really fast in like like a matter of seconds. And I think that just yeah. gives you like more appreciation for uh, the different opportunities that you do have. And yeah, when, when one door kind of like closes, like another opens. And I think that's like yeah, uh, yeah, the exciting part about life. It's actually funny because I think you answered the next question I was going to ask you. It was just something along the lines of like what unique value do you have like coming from the Philippines? And I think that's probably the answer, right? Just like, you know, things change quickly and um, you know, opportunities aren't everywhere exactly. And you know, what you did with the youth hack uh, organization was try to bring opportunities across the seas. So that's, that's pretty awesome. 
we're, we're going toward, I guess. Oh, uh, you, you said something. Yeah, yeah, that's right. So that's correct. Yeah, we're going towards the the end here. So I will uh, always end uh, at least uh, you know these podcasts with a few questions, right, uh, David? So the first question is, you know, if you had to go back in time, um, I was a freshman in in Penn. Um, what advice would you give yourself, knowing what you know today? Yeah, I, I, I think a big part of it is just uh, don't be afraid to like dream big and like do the small things that could potentially have really high impact in your life. And I think it could be as simple as like sending a cold email to like ariadhuffingtonpost.com to uh, showing up to like an event where you could potentially like meet somebody that like uh, changes the trajectory of your life. And, uh, and yeah, and then I think the second thing is really like optimize for like spending time with like people that you really enjoy like uh, spending time with that you could like learn from that will like push you to like grow and like uh, and will also like believe in you to like do like big things and and then yeah I think the last piece is uh, yeah don't be afraid to like try like as many things as possible I think ultimately like y- you also just want to give yourself as many shots uh, at goal and yeah. Uh, yeah it doesn't matter how many times like you fail if like you keep trying like eventually like one of them will work out <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That, that's really cool. And um, my, my last question here before I turn it over to Dan is, uh, you know, if you had to summarize your personal startup mindset in, in one or two sentences, what would that be? Definitely always be closing and, uh, yeah, always optimizing to just, like, work, work with, like, the best people. Great. That's awesome. No, that's pretty awesome. Uh, one more question, David. Like, where, what, what are books or, like, what kind of, like, resources have helped you along the way since um you've, you know there's a there's a period of uh, good growth and that's it's hard to find uh, amongst uh, uh people our age i guess so uh, like you know where like what kind of resources or um things did you use along the way to help you um when, when things were getting difficult or like books things like that yeah for sure i mean i i, I love reading biographies and i feel like biographies are like one of those like things that could like be really inspiring, whether that's like an Elon Musk biography or a Jack Ma biography or uh, the, the founder of Nike. But I think a lot, the way I think about books as well, it's like, it's very point in time. I feel like the, 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 the days you read it, you, you can like gain a lot of different insights and, and or it can inspire you to like make yeah. a certain decision. And, and I think that's like the, the beautiful thing about like books. And uh, yeah, I definitely try to like, spend time like reading like a, a little bit like here and there just to, like have like a sure. fresh kind of like perspective and insight and then and then yeah i think definitely just having like a close like group of friends who uh, i could like rely on and like get get advice and like feedback from and uh like bounce ideas and thoughts with and uh yeah definitely like also just very grateful for like all the people who like were willing to like take a bet uh mm-hmm. on, on me and like yeah like uh, in our team and everything and i think uh hoping to like be able like pay that forward and like yeah be able to like be the the, the, the first believer for like other like, awesome, founders man. or like people as well last part is like how uh, how could people find you or take a look at the work that you guys have at Rit- rudder yeah uh yeah i think uh definitely uh yeah linkedin email like ha- happy to chat like if sure, there's yeah. anything that i could i could help with uh yeah i could like share my yeah like share my email and then uh yeah, and then connect with on, on LinkedIn if there's anything you could do. And yeah, we're, we're definitely like always like looking uh, to work with people uh, with, with Rudder and then like with, with like the Comma Fund as well. And so 
yeah, oh, wow. always excited to chat with like Com- Common Fund. Uh, you're a partner at that fund, or is that like a syndicate fund? Or? Yeah, so that's like the small fund that like oh, sure. uh, my, my good friend and I like started and uh, had invested in Rudder as well. Wow. Well, man, congrats. Best of luck, and thanks again for coming on Sort of Mindset's podcast, man. Uh, it was a pleasure. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. But thank you for having me, and uh, yeah, really enjoy the conversation, and uh, yeah, like congrats to both of you for like doing this as well like definitely uh i'm sure like a lot lots of people like find inspiration in these like podcasts you guys run